Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 72 of Multiple Calls. I'm Scott Hewlett. When we ask ourselves, why did I do that? Or why do I keep doing that? It's likely targeted at a behavior that is undesirable. Even if it's questioning a desirable behavior, such as why do I exercise? The answer can be attached to avoidance of negative outcome. Target, tone, and intent matter. Are we approaching ourselves with rebuke or curiosity? Are we ushering in shame and fear or understanding and acceptance? Thought patterns can be so ingrained that we can realize that we are shaming ourselves for shaming ourselves. It's complicated in there, especially as things get more complicated around you. Following the why in a loving way can help you discover what you need and then focus on the how. It's a pleasure to bring you more time with Marie Bodine. So why don't you tell me what you've been up to since we talked and you said you've come to a few realizations around emergency responders, so I'm interested. Firstly, I want to say what you're doing with this show not only has opened my mind even more, but some of the th- people and some of the first responders and all kinds of people that I've spoken to at retreats and workshops since the last time we've seen each other, I've learned so much by actually having the opportunity and the gift of meeting more people, listening to really what they're working through, what's kind of sticking to them. And interestingly enough, it's usually at the end of the workshop when people tell me why they're there. Often in this community, they're the last people to talk about what what they want to get out of the workshop. And so I'm starting to see patterns. So I just, for anyone that hasn't been to a workshop or for someone that's just new to your podcast and your series, I wanted to really share from a a non-first responder viewpoint for someone that really wants to help first responders, what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, because maybe what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is what someone listening to this is thinking about. So two things, I want them to feel more included, however they want to be included in this process. But also, I think there's a huge solitary kind of vibe with a lot of people that give and care and and put other people first. And there's a lot of quiet suffering. I don't want to get into the secrecy thing, but there's just a lot of separation and there's a lot of loneliness and there's and and there's a lot of people that think that they're the only people that are thinking the things that they're thinking. And so part of the thing that I want to really share today is a lot of the stories that we might start to, and I want your feedback too, obviously, but some of the similarities we might be hearing from person to person that don't know each other, province to province, different countries. I, I'm just really starting to see patterns and and I never saw them before. I think just because, you know, it wasn't five years, it was less time that I was practicing this. And I had a, I have to say, like I had a very naive dream <laughs> that I just wanted to get certified and just help people and oh, I'm just going to walk right up to a firehouse and for sure they're going to be receptive. And <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're, they really want to, oh yeah, sure, breathing, yeah, cold water. It's like n- none of that happened. None of it. Persistently, I bugged people and they're just like, I don't know who you are. Get out of here. You just fill out a form. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to have a talk with Wendy about that too. The drive to help first responders and the resistance that is met. I was lucky enough to attend OAFC with a company that I'm working with called Culture, and we had a cold tub there. And wow, was that ever an eye-opener. I had the joy of talking to not only people that that were training to be firefighters, but I was talking to different fire chiefs. And there was some very interesting information that I gathered, a little bit of intel, you know, and it was just really, it it gave me some really beautiful perspective. And on top of some of the films that I had seen on your feed too, a couple of them that I had already seen before, but when I was looking at Florian's Nights and a couple of other ones, I'm like, oh, wow, this is, I need to know this because it's going to help me understand a little bit more how to approach individuals with not so much, I think, naivete and innocence and kind of like that tigger bounce that I had in the beginning. (laughs) Well, I think we need that to get us started and we need that to keep us going and we just get wiser, but hopefully that doesn't get quieted. I think if we can keep that energy going and fend off some of the naivete at the same time, I think that's the sweet spot. 
Yeah, well, I'm not jaded yet, but I'm just trying to change. I'm just trying to change my approach. <laughs> yeah, so dive in. What are you hearing? What are you feeling now? That's different. Okay, so what I realized too, which I really didn't before, because I had known so few people that were actively in this field, is that there is a very real, from what I've gathered. I mean, I'm not going to say this is true for everybody, but what I'm starting to see now is there. There is a I must look good at all times. I must look capable and I must look like I can support everybody at all times. And if there's a crack at all, I can't show it because it's going to look like I might not be able to support people when they need it. And I thought, oh, well, okay, that's something that I didn't realize before. And I wonder if parents feel that way too. Like I'm not a parent, but if, if I was, would the facade of a good parent, would the paint start to peel after a while when you're not consistent? Like, oh, I can't do this today. And the fear of losing that trust and that bond. And so I was quite humbled when I started to listen a little bit more and realize, and people would say to me, like, after workshops, you know, like, I, I, this is what I do, and I'm really looking for more support. And just for people that don't know, I'll roll it back a bit. I teach breath practices, and I teach gradual cold exposure. And I also, I do a few things online now. I have a website that actually has a monthly membership, thank goodness now, because we're able to help people that live outside of Canada. And if people can't come and see me live now, they have access. But I'll talk more about that later. But I thought it's very interesting to to teach people cold exposure because it's part of my life. And so when I was at OAFC, this cold water rescue person comes up and goes, I would never get into an ice bath. And I'm like, but you get into cold water for, that's what you do. And he goes, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, but like I have stuff on, like I have clothes on, like I have things on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so let me figure this out. You'll run into a burning building, people, but you won't get into cold water. Like what's up with that? <laughs> and I finally had to have someone explain it to me. Yeah, but we have gear on. Mm -hmm. When we get into cold water, we have nothing on. And I just thought, oh, okay. Okay, so yes, this is kind of my life. I didn't think about that. I needed to reframe this a little bit. You're wearing next to nothing. You're feeling vulnerable. There's no, quote, protection. And you have to, like, feel things. And that's hard for anybody. So I had to kind of reframe last month how casual I've become in some ways about ice water. Sure, it's hard. Of course it's hard. It's all, for me, it's always going to be hard. But it just got really familiar. And so listening to more people that I never thought would have looked at it as, some, as difficult because they do difficult things all day, the gift was I was able to reframe it because it's a different kind of heart. Yeah, with the burning building, we go into that because we realize it's bad and we feel the heat and that's bad and our solution is to react and cool and bring it back to safe and normal for the people that are inside. So that change in temperature, that intensity, as soon as it starts to creep up on us, the reaction is to nullify it. And on the cold, if you want to use the ice water rescue, that's a, a perfect way to look at it. Same thing, we realize that the cold exposure for the people that we're attempting to rescue is bad. If we're exposed to the cold, then that must also be bad. And our job is to put the barrier up between us and the cold to be able to rescue the people. And then when we bring them out to warm them back up to normal because cold is bad. I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, our reaction to extreme temperatures that's outside of the norm, which is quote unquote safe, which is in those situations, maybe creates a subconscious reaction to extremes. I had a Zoom meeting with a retired Navy SEAL who lives in Virginia last week. And he's like, I've been hypothermic three times. Like one time I I actually almost didn't have any vitals because you can still live and not have vitals. I know that sounds extreme. To <laughs> For a few minutes. Yeah. 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 Including myself, but they, they brought him back and I just thought, okay. So what I kind of like about having workshops with these kinds of people is they actually have the, a very rare skill set. It's called paying attention. <laughs> So now they can kind of follow instructions, which is kind of fun for me because sometimes other people, all they care about is selfies, right? It's all about the the photo. And, you know, in this group, it's not, it's not like that. They actually want to learn something. And of course, we all want to learn, but there's different degrees of I want to learn. And so 
different groups of people have different attention spans, have different goals, have different life experiences. And again, when you're dealing with people that are kind of just into the club scene, it's a little bit harder to have them do something difficult and enjoy it. But sometimes people, like for example, I've had some friends that have been in fights or they're into martial arts. So getting punched in the face isn't so bad, but cold water and punch in the face is a different thing entirely. Like they're not the same. And so when I talked to my my former friend a while ago, take me to the dentist. I can't handle needles. It's like, yeah, but you get punched in the face all the time. And like, I'm thinking, okay, so I need to, I need to think this through. I need to change my view about people, like about people that, that can shut off and, and do a job. My mistake. So now I'm starting to to learn a little bit more and try and understand a little bit more about what people's tolerance is. Yeah, with the punch you can punch back or defend against it. With the with the needle you can't punch it back. You can't punch the dentist. <laughs> and then with the cold, you can't punch the cold back. I mean, in a sense, there's a way to release to it. But yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of give in. Cold water, really. And I have this conversation all the time. People are fighting the cold constantly and they're trying to shut off the cold constantly. But when we willingly go into cold water, the opportunity is monumental if we just let it wrap itself around us and we just listen. And that is an elevated way to approach an ice bath, in my opinion, because then you're fully surrendering and being present in that moment, which is not generally what happens at other times in the in the day, especially if you're doing something that you want to get through. That's why I love the breathing because it really changes the blood chemistry to allow people to receive. And you know, the more I read studies, the more I start to understand that the breathing can make exquisite drugs in the body that help the system either move junk through or recalibrate. It's it's quite fascinating how the body has its own internal pharmacy. And so when we talk about emotions that are unresolved, think about emotions also being chemicals, really, because they are. And so when we're making these chemicals and we're not flushing them, we're not getting rid of them out of the body. Like, think about this. If you keep holding it and you don't go to the bathroom, what's going to happen? <laughs> like, you've got to get it out of your system. Everything that goes in has to come out. And so when we're holding these things or blocking them, emotional constipation, sometimes I make a joke about that. It's like, you got to get the stuff out because then when, how are you going to create space to have some joy in there or some peace in there? Trying to like lock it up and push it someplace, it's going to wait. And so there's an opportunity to just be a little bit more gentle. But the one thing I really want to share with everybody is if you think you can just push it down and it's never going to come back or it's just going to stay there, it's not just inert. It's going to do something. Chemicals and emotions do things to your body. So they need to be moved. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's natural. Just like going to the bathroom. It has to go someplace. It has to be processed, right? So even when it leaves your body, it has to go someplace. So we want to just have it leave your system in a way that's loving and ha have some gratitude for that experience, if you can. I'm still trying to figure out how to really have the conversation of, can we help people learn? Is there a time to shut off and do a job when you have to? And then is there a time to switch again and, and, and invite that sensitive moment or those feeling moments or those sad moments. Like, I don't know how hard that is because I don't have that job. I know that when I was younger, though, when I was hanging around, I don't know, you can't, can't really call them gangs, but they weren't, they were just untoward people. We wouldn't laugh in a group because laughing was a sign of weakness. Like nobody laughed. It was really interesting, this mentality. And I'm thinking, you know, 30 years later, wow, thank goodness I'm not like that anymore. Because now I can experience all those feelings. But it took me a while to remember that because that was just, that was just part of my life. It, it, that's just the way it was. So that's something that I really maybe want to bounce back to you now, because I think I've said quite a few interesting things, but I'm not sure that's going to convince anyone to start to 
turn inward or to to journal. And thank goodness you said the word or somebody said the word quantum physics on another part of your another episode of your podcast. I was jumping up and down when I heard that because now we're finally having these conversations about feelings and energy, which is it's so important. Yeah, that was Jeff. He's a great one. <laughs> and his team, the work they're doing. Yeah, I like the fact that you framed it as waste product that needs to be removed. And because I've heard on the Mission Critical Teams Institute podcast with special operators, these guys specifically have started calling it residue. So they act and they're in experiences and they know that there's going to be residue. And so how do we move through that or how do we really release that or get that residue off of us so then we can continue to operate? And I think that leads into it being a really nice reverse psychology way that we can get ourselves personally into the work and we can use it even openly, not in a covert way with other people that even if you can't do it for yourself, even if you're coming from a place of, well, I do everything for others, I don't do anything for myself. Well, if you want to be the best operator, you can. If you want to, if you even want to approach us as being, do you want to be the ultimate firefighter that you can, first responder that you can, then by doing this work, you will maximize that efficiency, that productivity. So even if that gets you in the door or in the tub, I guess, so to speak, that's all that matters. And then the experience might shift and you realize that, oh, this is, it's okay for it to be for me. Then the the secondary benefit is that it's then for other people as well. You're able to do more of what you love or want to do for longer. Part of what we're talking about really when we're talking about breathing like exercise, I mean, it, it, it it, it really does help repair the system. I'm not really going to say that there's a hack. Like there's really no hack to happiness. There really, there's no shortcut to health and there's really no shortcut to inner peace. I mean, either we do the, either we sleep or we don't, either we do the work or we, either we eat or we don't. And there's going to have a cause and effect to that either short or long-term. But I think even breathing as we now we're starting to see through the science and it's an exercise. It's also being used for cardiovascular benefits for people that don't have the use of, of arms and legs. And it does move lymph in the chest and it does move emotion. But sometimes we don't need to know in the conscious mind what that is. I mean, can, you can say, well, I didn't feel anything, but I mean, you have a whole bunch of stuff going on below your neck. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen all day, every day that you can't feel. You're making a million new cells every second in your body and you can't feel that. And so there's something that I want to really explain to someone. There's no way that you can use your intellect to resolve or to reconcile an emotion. You can talk about your problems all the time and it's important too, but for that feeling to move through your body, feeling it is required. This is the body keeps the score. I Yeah, you know, it's one of the books that I keep saying that I'm going to read. Uh, but I'm reading a book now on um, the electric field of the system, and I'm finding some more information on health and cellular vibration and tuning forks. But I had a conversation with an electrician because he's like, well, what's this cold water about? What's this breathing thing about? And I said, well, your body kind of runs on electricity, yeah? And he goes, hmm, well, yeah, I guess it does because your heart has an electrical impulse and it beats and then... I said, well, your blood has a negative charge. He goes, hmm, yeah, I guess you're right. And I said, so when you have an emotion that's not flowing through your body, wouldn't you call that resistance, electrical? Re and he goes, hmm, yeah, I guess you, yeah, I guess you would. So I think I'm just trying to help someone who's listening hear it in a way that might really speak to them. There's a million ways that I can talk about breathing and cold if I'm talking to someone who's an esthetician or an artist or a frontline worker or someone that like in, in this case, an electrician, I mean, to speak to them on their, in their world, I think it helps create more meaning. And so when we're looking at electrical currents in the system, when there's a jam in the system, and so in the, this case, which is what we're talking about is emotion, you're creating a, a block you're creating a block. So when the heart is open and when we're feeling more gratitude and loving, you might find this a little bit funny, but the heart opens up and all kinds of blood rushes to the heart and you're getting more electrical activity in your heart than in your brain. And so I didn't coin this phrase, but you get a heart on. Your heart gets full of blood and it gets big and it gets happy and it wants to do great things for you. 
because it's energetic too. We have a liquid system. We have a mechanical system because we move. We have an electrical system. We have all kinds of systems in our body. Some people even say that the fascia and the teeth and the bones are made of crystalline structures. So when we start to look at these systems in our body, like they all need care. Rest is definitely going to help all kinds of systems in your body. But love is also going to start to remove some of these log jams in, in your system. And it's also going to change how the electricity flows, as will meditation. And when we breathe, we call it an active meditation because it can move a lot more energy through without us having to intellectualize it. If we trust our body enough just to say, you know what, body, you know what you're doing. You do all these things that are really important when I'm sleeping. I don't need to supervise you. I'm going to do that to you right now. I'm just going to drop out of my thinking right into my feelings so that you can just take it from here for a little while. I'm going to open that door that's in between that conscious and unconscious state where so many cool things happen. My brain frequency is going to change. My heart's going to open. My brain and my heart and my digestive system are all going to have a conversation and we're all going to get on board with what we need to do for the rest of the day. And that's actually science now. So that's comforting for some people to remember. Does the intellectualizing what you're dealing with, framing it, naming it, speaking the words out loud, is its purpose really just to help with intent? with understanding and then you can go into the work that's actually going to do the things you needed to do to help yourself because you would then have the right intent going in. Wow. What a great question. So in my world, I think intention is everything. And I'll talk about cold water because when you go into cold water saying, I'm going to beat your ass cold, like I'm going to be in here for five minutes and I'm just going to kill this thing. I'm going to knock it out of the park. You're not inviting a relationship. If you had a partner would you talk to your partner like, like that? Probably not. But Cole to me is like a, a friend. It's like a relationship that I want to deepen. I want to learn about how I interact with this entity, this cold entity. So naming it for some people might be the only thing that they will do in this lifetime. And that's really important. Great. If people want to go farther when they're feeling comfortable, then... However far that people want to go, I think is like there's no end point as far as I'm concerned, right? Because you're talking about just one part of the body acting separately in a way than another part. Like we want to kind of move through a moment fully with all the systems intact. And if we're continually leading with the brain or leading with thinking, yes, we're going to get someplace but we might not get the outcome that we ultimately wish for. There's a little bit more, I think, revealing having to happen between your heart and your deepest feelings. So I'm not really sure if I answered that. Maybe you can just check in with me again. But I think like if we just start naming things and talking about it, really, really important. When people are ready to go farther, and that's different for every single person, scenario, happening, past happening. I don't think that there's really a rule for this. I think it's just, can you love yourself enough to give yourself some energy so that your body can love you back the way it was born to? The letting go really is the key piece for people. And I mean, this won't sound strange to you. I know you'll understand it, but I've tried to explain it this way to people before in the first responder community. I know I got a bit of a strange vibe or a strange look through it, but always been a heavy dreamer, night terrors as a kid and or nightmares, sleepwalking. Experienced that for heavily, heavily, heavily as a child and into teens. And I would frequently encounter, I would say, presences or energies in my dreams, um, and obviously very frightening without understanding what they are. And the initial reaction as a child, obviously, is fear. So there was a lot of running away from these things. It never helped. And then as a teen and getting older, growing into a man, it turned to confronting and conflicting, challenging, fighting. And that didn't help either. And not until I realized that if I'm running away from it, 
or I'm turning to fight it, I am interacting with it. I am engaging with it. I am creating a relationship with it. And not until I had become so tired and just released and gave up to it and let it just approach and come, whatever came, let it be, did it pass through. In that moment, in those moments going ahead, I realized releasing and letting it come and letting it, it it can't hurt. It can't hurt me. It can't do anything. The only way for me to have overcome this is to allow it to be. I was trying to frame that for people with mental health aspects that if they they're constantly fighting it or running away from it, that it doesn't necessarily help. And sometimes we just need to release and allow things to flow through. Only by going through do you realize that it's not as frightening as you thought it was and you can see things differently on the other side and that's where the growth happens. Did we live parallel lives? Because you just explained my whole childhood like really, <laughs> really accurately. Wow. wow, I totally forgot that that all happened too. Like I don't even think that far back. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that happened to you too. Oh wow, oh ooh, yeah, I remember that. That was awful. I, I had a stressful childhood, I imagine. I imagine it was like it was full of stress. And then when I started being like a young adult, it was just a, it was a hot mess. It was just so much a conflict and, you know, all this. And you know, I have mentors. So like my Marie says to me, she's not her name isn't really Marie. I just say like my mentor, my Marie. She says to me, you know, Marie, there's only one person in the room. And I'm like, oh, you're right. It's really about me. What I'm f- struggling with is is me. It's not the thing out there. The thing out there isn't the thing that everyone is struggling with. I'm just struggling with that. And so the more I try to manipulate my feelings about it or my thoughts about it, the more I water it and give it energy. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it took me decades to realize that if I really kind of let this go, the power kind of dissolves. And there really isn't that fight and that struggle. Plus, plus, you know, I'm down regulating my immune system anyway. So when I'm in that headspace, I'm actually not healing myself at all. And so what's more important to me? Solving this thing that I don't know how to solve or just giving it some space to breathe? And then looking back on my body going like, I think I deserve a little bit more health today. I deserve a little bit more self-respect instead of tying myself in knots. And the only thing that changed, honestly, Scott, was awareness. And how did I get awareness? I stopped talking so much and I breathed more. I compl- I stopped complaining. I, I hung up the phone and I sat in my room and I didn't talk to anybody for a while. And I thought, wow, this I could actually just sit here now. I'm not trying to call more people and create more drama. Wow, that's a first. Seriously, like my whole life was just one more series of she said, he said this and this and that and texts and notes and emails. And it was, it's, you know, I felt so alive. <laughs> I felt like my life was really happening. It's nice to be on this side now and say, like, I think I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not do that. I'm just going to sit with that and feel those feelings and take responsibility for them because I don't need anyone to behave differently for me to feel okay. I just had a huge conflict with someone who was, it's actually two different people because it happens, right? I mean, I'm, I'm bringing my best, but some, you know, listen, we're all working through stuff, right? So I'm okay when people bring their worst to me. I'm okay with that. People were all struggling. And so I thought to myself, I actually might have to say goodbye to this person and live the rest of my life without talking to them. Am I prepared to do that? And I'm like, ooh, that's going to be maybe not so fun. But I respect the process because I have a, a boundary and I have a hard no for some treatment. And then, you know, we were actually face to face within 15 minutes, we were able to resolve it, which was kind of cool. But then when I thought back, I thought I was actually going to be okay either way. And that's a total first. Like, how can you be okay with the loss of something or keeping something? And I just thought, oh, I need to sit down for a minute. I've never actually been okay with losing anything like this before. I must have grown someplace inside because I kind of felt like, okay, so you want to work this out? Cool. But I wasn't sort of like, ha ha, I'm going to 
go here and, and I'm going to decide that you're not in my life. It wasn't like that at all. I wasn't even angry. I was just trying to love them the best way I could with the parameters I had in place that I thought was the base, bottom, bottom of a healthy relationship, like bare bones. And so at that moment, they weren't willing to have a conversation about it. And I just thought, okay, well, I, I'm going to have to love them from here. I can't not do this. And I don't know how to give them what they want. And they're not prepared to make any moves either. So we're just going to, I guess, not move forward. Okay, well, that's kind of unfortunate because they're really important to me in my life. Really, really, really important. And so it was a real learning lesson just to, to be neutral and go, okay, well, I guess I have to just allow this and accept this and not know how it's going to play out for maybe decades. And I don't want to die not knowing this person, but I can't do it this way. And I'm actually not mad. I was kind of mad a little bit at myself for not letting, for not fixing it sooner. I let that person treat me like that for a while. And so it was, I kind of trained them to treat me like not so great. And so after I grew after all this time, my level of treatment changed and they stayed the same. And so I'm like, oh, well, I'm learning now and I don't need to make them do it differently. I just have to ask for something that I would like. And if they can't give it to me, then, then I'm going to have to be okay with that because I changed the rules, right? From dysfunctional to, to more loving. I had a huge shift when I asked myself that same question with something very important. Am I okay with that? When I was thinking something through and there was going to be a fork in the road, I had to ask myself, okay, if this plays out in the worst case scenario, are you okay with that? Yes. Okay. Then we don't have to be afraid of it. We accept that it comes. And I think it, yeah, it really helped me move forward with a sense of peace, even if a lot of unrest was going to come following the decision. That's, am I okay with that is a really powerful question to ask yourself. Inner peace was the end point for me. Or I can even say harmony, or I can say self-respect, or I can say minimal level of conduct. I mean, I could say a lot of things. Everyone's got something different for how they want to be treated or show up. And of course, if you change and if you, if you raise it or lower it, I mean, then you can ask people to go along or at least hear you out. I always encourage a dialogue if possible. I've managed to solve so many conflicts just by telling someone that this is kind of what I'm seeing or this is how I feel, not like you're doing this. or I'm, I'm never pointing out anyone else's behavior. This whole time, I never told them about how I thought they were behaving. It was all basically about what I was just asking for. I'm convinced that my breathing and cold practice cultivated that for me. I'm absolutely convinced. This whole thing that I've been learning in the past five years has changed my life so much that even conflict inside my own life, regardless of what other people are doing, is just easier. And so when I'm dealing with something now, which is majorly important, I'm able to look at it with a little bit more clarity and loving regard and a methodical process as opposed to jumping to conclusions and making a fast decision and closing a door and walking away, never looking back. So it's really been interesting about this whole practice. I wish I had known that I was going to turn into this person that was so much easier to get along with just for myself. I really wish I had known, but you know what? I had to earn it. And I had to let go of a lot of power trips and I had to let go of a lot of positions that I had before and that took practice. So I'm just repatterning my life in a different way and now I'm just seeing things are changing a little bit differently. I'm making a different amount of money. I'm spending time with different people. I have different opportunities. People want to help. People share information. I'm invited to places. Now I'm flying across the country doing work. My, I did my first international event. It was a dream of mine six months ago. I'm on the plane like crying now because I'm like, this is my dream. I'm finally like flying someplace. You know, like for some people that might be a small thing. But for me, it was a huge deal because it took a lot of steps to get there. So I just wanted to celebrate myself. 
have a moment and say, yeah, this took a, a long time. And it's a it's a big deal that I'm being invited to speak in another place and people want to hear what I have to say. And that's kind of cool. And I want to meet new people too and change their lives. And now it's starting to roll into more fun things too. So I would say that anyone that, if you have a dream of feeling a certain way, even if your job doesn't change, like how do you want to approach your day? Do you have a vision for the day of who you'd like to be. So who I want to be today is a person that has some inner harmony and as much respect for others, including strangers, as I give myself. So that could take a lifetime to develop. It took me 18 years to be just a nice person. I had to work at it a long time. And so it worked. But like, you have to have patience and and the want to do that. So even if I just stayed at the same job, my job would just feel better if I just worked at feeling a little bit more connected to myself. I'm a slow learner too. I resonate with that. What you said there about celebrating, I think I've mentioned it with other conversations as well, but the celebrating wins, no matter how small, is huge to encourage you to keep going. And you mentioned that you recognized a moment when you must have grown. And I think a lot of people are looking for the next fad or the next hack, like you're saying, that is going to remove the problems from their life. And problems will never stop coming into your life. You can do a lot of this work. And we should almost even welcome the problems to continue because if you're facing a problem and you want to do this work and move forward and you never encountered another problem, you really won't know if the things you have been doing to change yourself are working or have shifted you. Not until you encounter a new problem or even better, the exact same problem as you encountered before, do you realize, huh, a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, I would have reacted like this and that didn't happen. So wow, <laughs> all this work wasn't for nothing. I must have shifted that awareness piece. And then that's encouragement to know that you're on the right track and to keep going. It was a huge gift for me to actually notice it. That means more to me than anything that I could buy. It really, it really does. To be able to, to develop into somebody that has some command over their emotions is gold. Like what kind of employer doesn't want someone like that, that can have emotional command? We talked about this before, like being able to deal with your own emotions instead of making everyone else deal with it for you or pay for the things that you're not okay with. I mean, isn't that really what a developed human being is? Isn't that what we kind of aspire to be, to, ha to be able to regulate ourselves and not act like petulant small people? <laughs> Don't we want the world to run a little bit better? And when we have a whole bunch of people that are stuck in our egos, making other, everyone else do somersaults to accommodate us, well, then when you amplify that, don't we get war? Aren't these things that we want to avoid? So it kind of starts with how you show up for yourself and how you want to treat yourself and what do you stand for today? And how can you just action that in a in a just a, a caring way? I don't need to change the world, but I just don't want to pour gasoline on it either. Is what's going on with everybody having a voice at all times relentlessly? We could view it in a, as a very bad thing. I guess we could see it as a huge gift of awareness because it's what we are seeing. We're seeing a lot of warring, warring on small levels, warring on massive levels. Because every person that has a voice that maybe isn't doing the kind of work we're talking about, it causes a lot of strife. It causes a lot of division. But without this medium or mediums that we have now to amplify all that noise, and it is overwhelming, so I can understand why we all want to shut it off. And I don't think we should live in it all the time. I guess what I'm trying to say is that maybe it's a good thing that we understand how noisy it is out there so that we can start to work as individuals and groups to, it's not to quiet into silence. That's not what I'm, what I'm driving at, but just to interact differently, to have more peace, dialogue differently. So maybe we need to be going through this massive, noisy, overwhelming stimulus crash nonstop to 
not want that and then maybe not shut the medium down or mediums down, but to use them as a way to keep dialoguing and keep interacting, but just doing it differently. Well, I'm certainly not the expert and I love that you said that. And I'm kind of also wondering, you know, when my ancestors weren't really encouraged or invited to say anything, (laughs) there wasn't time or it just wasn't done. And I think we've completely swung to the other end. And so, for example, I say this sometimes, in Victorian times, death was very talked about. It was a very normal thing. People had picnics in cemeteries, and we didn't rush the body away and and make it invisible. But no one talked about sex, and now everything's flipped. Like Nobody wants to talk about death, and everyone wants to talk about how they got laid last weekend and all the details. So I'm not really sure why that changed, but, but we all have big pendulum swings in life socially and other things. When I was a kid, no dad ever pushed a stroller. I never saw one. And now I'm like, it's just a normal thing. And so we need things to change and evolve. And there's always going to be extremes until we find a a middle. Like when you swing a swing really hard, it's going to like kind of go crazy for a while. And then it starts to come back to a little bit of a balance until we swing it again. So maybe that's a bad comparison. But when we look at inertia, Things can start to build quickly and then balance out. I'm okay with things getting a little bit crazy because eventually people would get tired and and find something that works. I'm okay with that. In fact, I'd rather personally have more people talking than people being oppressed. I I really, and you can even find a lot of people that are going to be talking about oppression now anyway, in the middle of all this talking, like what's really going on. So I think conversation is really important. And I think having this dialogue is really, really important. And I think it's up to someone to just kind of turn down the dial to the conversations that are a little bit more static. We can choose what we're going to let into our lives. And I think it's up to that person to really exercise that discernment of, of how they want to consume information because we can't even consume it all now. It's, it's just, it's epic how much stuff we're creating. And I think there's going to be some fatigue if there isn't already already with that. And people will start to find other ways to either soothe themselves or entertain themselves or get informed. There can be a real desire for a return to ignorance is bliss, but ignorance isn't truth. I agree with what you're saying. I don't think we have to interact with everything all the time to realize what's happening, but just to sit and reflect on it and then like, like we've mentioned before, then have intent going forward and how we choose to interact with it and other people is really the important piece. Well, listen, I mean, some people would say that I'm ignorant because I don't know a lot about certain topics. So it just depends on who you talk to. I mean, I think here's what my parameter is. Is it loving? Is it going to repair you? Is it going to elevate you or your family, your job or your social circle? Or is it going to make things worse? So that's the only question that I have. It's like, is what you're consuming going to heal you? Just like food, right? Friends for me should be food. And data that I ingest should be food. And ideally, the things that I do most of the time should be repairing me in some way. Because this is what I want. But I don't think I don't think that that's everyone's role. I don't think everyone has to contribute in life. I think there's just going to be a bunch of people that just want to be here and be humans. And that's fine, too. I don't think that everyone has to like rush to be better all the time. But I think it's important to, like I said before, not not make people's lives worse. And being aware and being conscious is one of the biggest ways to be able to prevent that from happening. What language and information are people imparting to you about their experience with cold and breathwork since we talked? How are they framing the shift that they feel? How are they conveying that to you? Well, the last time that we spoke, I think people were less stressed and I think they're more stressed now. I think people are, are, the interesting thing I'm seeing now is everyone's looking for a guarantee and I've never seen it. I've never seen a guarantee ever with anybody. And if I can find new ways to help people let go of that chasing, of that assurance, because they're feeling so, they keep looking outside of themselves for that assurance. 
And I think if we just keep going inward, like you said already, and just kind of lean into the fact that the the wind is blowing, (laughs) we still have roots somewhere in the ground, but we let the wind blow and it's going to blow and then it's going to stop and then it's going to rain, then it's going to freeze, then it's going to be sunny. Like that's how life kind of goes. And to appreciate all of it is what I call a well-lived life. And so when I start seeing people pumping the gas and pumping the brakes at the same time of their life, I can kind of say, wow, that's not going to really turn out so, so fun for you. And I want you to have a fun life. Like I want you to experience all these things because we can grow through curiosity, which is why we have workshops. Or we can go grow through crisis, which is usually when people come to workshops because they've had some challenges. And I don't want people to be growing through massive suffering. So I'm starting to see people when they really f- complete these workshops or they finish a breath class or they leave a talk or something, they, they tend to be so fed up with something in their life that they usually make changes within 72 hours. So almost every single workshop, I'm hearing someone later quit their job. <laughs> they gave notice or they left something or they made a, a change. And ironically, I did too. After I came back from New Hampshire, two days later, I made a really fast decision about something that I just didn't feel like it was, I needed a bigger challenge. I didn't even think about it too much. I just made a fast decision. And I want to invite people to make fast decisions and then course correct, especially if you're feeling called from your heart or your gut or your body. This isn't a thinking thing. It's a total body compelled to to make a difference thing. Trust that feeling. And so when people really show up now to these workshops, they want change And they just want someone to tell them, you're okay. You're going to be okay. Life is kind of, you know, it's kind of weird and it's going to be okay. I just want people to roll with the challenges because everyone's trying to stop things from being uncomfortable. And it's, it's just not, it's not realistic. Sometimes I think decisions seem fast in the making, but they've been years in the making. It seems quick when you finally decide, but maybe it's been years and years in the waiting. Most of the people that I saw a couple of months ago, I think nine out of the 12 people that were in that workshop, that retreat, felt unappreciated, blew my mind. And I thought, wow, okay, great. So what do we want to do with this? You know, if you're angry or resentful, that feeling just means that action is required. So do you want to make a loving action or do you want to be destructive? You get to choose, but that feeling is telling you that something needs to move. So how do you want to action that? And so these workshops, they just keep bringing up things that people are fed up with stuff. (laughs) They just want to make some changes. And this is the one thing like, oh, I can finally, I do have agency over how I live my life or I can make a new decision. Wow. So it's a big confidence builder. And it's nice to see people finally getting support from a community and also knowing that they can trust themselves to take that step that if it doesn't go exactly the way they had hoped like it hasn't maybe your life or my life or everyone else's life that eventually they'll be able to find a balance and a a new way of living so that functions we don't need to have it perfect we just want your life to just to function so if you're not sleeping well do something about it if you're spending a lot of time using chemicals just do something about it. Do one thing that's going to get you closer to health. If you're not exercising, you know, try a meditation class or try a breath class. It's still going to change your electrical system. It's still going to change your nervous system. It's still going to change your body. If you have guilt, write a letter, bury it, burn it, let it go. Get that junk out of your body because it's just going to sit there and it's just going to fester and rot and you don't want that in your cellular system. You mentioned people looking for guarantees and perhaps we're even more starved for guarantees now because everything's nothing, nothing really seems, even if nothing was guaranteed before, I think <laughs> leading up to a few years ago, we, we probably thought there were a few things that were guaranteed. Maybe that was the ignorance was bliss, but everything seems unassured. Um, everything seems to be in chaos. So perhaps that's why we're looking for, can something please just be guaranteed and I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like that shell game, but there's no ball anywhere. Like, (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard for people to understand that very often 
when they're at their weakest or worst that the only way through is through accepting some more suffering and taking on some more work. And that work can be letting go and releasing, but I mean, that is also work for people to get there and do that. So that's a hard pill to swallow when you when you see the path forward is through suffering is sometimes encountering and dealing with suffering. Well, that's when you don't do it alone, right? That's when I would lovingly say you must make a call and you must find someone and you must tell somebody because there's no badge for suffering by yourself. There's no ribbon. There's no trophy. There's no win for that. I did it. I had such a horrible time because I had I wish I had shame. I had shame and embarrassment. Like at the lowest point of my life, I was hiding it. And some of my closest friends were like, oh, you got this. Uh, yeah, you're going to be great. If anyone can do it, you can. I would jump off a bridge, but you could do it. I'm like, you're not helping because now you think I'm capable and I don't know how to do this. I actually don't know what I'm doing. And you're treating me like I can totally do this when I'm actually completely frightened and feel totally alone. And you're maybe one of five people that I've told out of maybe 200 people that I need help. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I know you got it. So they think they're being encouraging, but they're placing actually expectation on you. It felt not good. And so great. Skip to the next person and then just say, listen, I need to share this. And I really need you to, I need some help here. I need some help. And so when I finally did that, and then after when I solved it and I told people, they were like, why didn't you tell me? And it's like, I'm still embarrassed. It's something that I'm working on. I'm probably going to work on it for a long time, you know, and, and that's just how it goes. But at least I made steps to really share it and, and, and in a way that felt safe for me. I told somebody, I told some people and I, you know, I was in it, I got out of it. And now five years later, I'm helping other people and I can reflect back going, wow, that was the worst time in my life, but I learned so much. And I'm actually now looking back totally grateful because it got me out of a situation that I didn't even realize was not great. I grew so much into a completely different person. And yeah, to be honest, I was kind of lazy before. I was being a little bit lazy and now I'm not lazy. And now I'm actually living a very rich, rewarding life. I don't make five-year plans, but if I had one, I think it would be kind of fun. But I usually kind of look at life an hour ahead. So an hour from now, I'm going to jump in a sauna. And I think that's going to be kind of fun too. So I, I just want to embrace when things are difficult and know that it's temporary and really just share it with someone I can trust. And if they, that turns into a bomb, I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to try to make them help me. I'm just going to go on to the next person. It's okay. It's okay. Have you found over the last year or so that certain patterns or styles of breathing tend to click with people more than others? Wow. That's kind of like wearing colors of clothes for me, really. I think, you know, just it's just, it's just a different color. I think when we look at something like box breathing or 478, it's accessible to every single person, every age, every uh, health demographic. There's really no downside to that. And it, it's also not, not stressful. And so I think for anyone who's stressed to do something like that, it's always going to help. You can find tons of videos online with, with that. It almost seems like, ah, this isn't really going to do anything. But over time, just like exercise, the first time you work out, you're like, I don't see a change. The first year when I started doing this work, I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Now I have had this kind of bad thing happen. And why didn't I get upset about it? And now you're five. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can barely recognize my life. It's so it's so good. I'm, my relationship with myself and other people is so much better. And so just stick with it because I feel, I feel better. Hypoxicolds are different. It's a preparation or recalibration of the adrenal system. And so I use it to get into cold water. Or of course, if I ramp it up enough, I don't need to get on a plane and fly to Peru. I can make those chemicals myself. I can make them and they, they don't make me sick after they don't go through my liver in a way that's not that's foreign i can heal my body at the same time i'm making anti-inflammatory blood markers at the same time i can make all these fun things so i think just to kind of learn a little bit more about what they all are and if someone isn't sure just connect with me and i can help people differentiate and then conscious connected is a little bit more like that's deep and that's mostly for emotional I don't facilitate that too much because, again, it's a big, big thing. 
for me. And I don't mind taking those classes, but they can get very, very emotional. We don't mix that with ice water. We don't do that. That's not what we do with that. It's its own thing. But of course, if you want to know more about rebirthing or anything about conscious connected breath, or there's a lot of different names for it, then I'll be happy to point someone into another direction. I'm doing um, an event next month with a, a wonderful lady named Rebecca Llewellyn, who also is a, a specialist in that area as well. So I like to refer out more than, you know, I kind of know my lane. I mean, I, I can tell people a little bit about it, but I'm not the expert on that. I'm definitely more of a, a hypoxic, cold and, and cold person. But I think at the right times for the right people, all of it can be beneficial. Firefighting is a lot like that. There's so much to cover and so much to know that you can't go deeply down every single rabbit hole. So you kind of choose your few that you really want to focus on and you know enough about the other ones to to be effective and help. But you're going to do more powerful work with people if you hone in on a number of them and really try and be as good at them as you can. Anything that's kind of new, anything that's kind of creates variability with your practice if you if you end up getting a little bit of a bucket and just doing face dips great just do that if you have a a bathtub great if you have a stock tank great if you have a garbage can great if you want to get a chiller in a big tub do that just make it fun and make it useful and make it interesting and if none of that interests you just do some breathing and learn about that too and when do you recommend people take a break from it or realize it's not the right moment. So for me, right or wrong, it's just been the way I've approached it is if I'm if I'm sick or run down, if I'm already feeling really, really raw and really stressed, or if I'm already cold. So I find those three times that I'm listening to my body and thinking adding that on top is going to be too much. This isn't the right time. This is it's time for a, a warm shower at the, in these moments and then get back to it when I feel like I'm engaged again or my body is prepared for it is that fair yeah i'm really against these 100 day challenges i'm i'm gonna just say that it's not my thing i think it's it's really disrespectful to the body because we're not asking the body what it wants we're using the mind to make a decision to override all the body's systems and uh structures and you made a really good point so there's times to to push through things but i really don't know if if cold is always one of those things, because what we're really trying to do when we push through to an ice bath is we're trying to override the fear. We're trying to override procrastination. So that's another conversation. But I really want to get excited about cold water, even if I'm nervous about it. So my attitude, and circling right back to the beginning of us talking, the in- intention that we have, not to strong arm our lives through everything, but to listen like, What's my entire system saying? And if you don't know what that is, then could you guess though? And your first guess will probably be a really good indicator of what's going on in your body. So if you're tired, try it and go in. And if it doesn't feel fun or good or useful or healing, then just exit. A developed person will start to be able to use their senses or you could also say intuition, or you could also say having that relationship with the consciousness of all the parts of your body to get those answers. Because sure, we could use our thinking mind, or we could use what we did yesterday, or we could have some kind of like mental program like, well, I'm not a good person if I don't do this today, or I've failed if I don't do this. I think that's just a really beautiful story. And I think it really can get us to be productive. But I'm really not sure if health is how we want to approach those thoughts that way. I'm not really sure if that's really the best way to do it, if that's the most loving way. So maybe my approach, is it loving, is not the best approach for everybody. We certainly can't do that at our jobs all the time. Like, I'm going to go save this person. No, it doesn't feel loving today. Well, that's not going to work. It doesn't work. But in my life, I think most people aren't asking that question. So I just like to present that question because it helps link the brain and the rest of the body and connect it into one thing because you are one thing. All your cells talk. All your cells have reproduction capabilities. All your cells have excretion capabilities. All your cells have healing capabilities. All your cells have DNA. So we just want to express in a way that is cohesive and fully present and and sometimes forcing yourself 
is part of your mind and it's really not part of you know your feet or your liver or your kidneys or your toe or your elbow so that kind of sounds weird for a lot of people but i mean i'm really all about full body engagement and if there's a part of me that isn't feeling it then i ask the question why can i get more information what's really happening and then if it's not fun i kind of really i'm out i'm really am out it really is a superpower to be able to discern between is this procrastination or is this truthfully not the right moment to engage with this? Yeah, if you start, you know, using guilt to drive your day, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure how the quality of your life is going to be long term because you can make it fun if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> when I know it's not procrastination, when I know it's time, I still have the thought in my mind that that pause, that this is going to suck. It goes through my mind every single time. And then I know as soon as I'm in the first two and a half seconds, it's going to feel fine. And it instantly goes away and I kind of laugh to myself. It's a pattern, but I guess I recognize that it's there. So I know when it's the right moment, I know that's going to come. I know I'm still going to push through. I know it's going to happen. But like you're saying, it is in that loving, understanding, awareness way, not as in like heavy, heavy, deep breathing, you know, grunt and, and drive in and approach this in this heavy, <laughs> heavy handed way. It's just recognizing that that pattern is something that happens with me each time. There's times to primal scream too, everybody. Right. <laughs> like I'm not, like I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not the like peace, love, let's like, you know, burn incense and like throw flowers all over the place all the time. Like it's not my jam either. Like we don't have to, we don't have to paint rainbows all over everything all the time. But I think we're just not connected to those parts enough. And I think you're right. I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. And I just start laughing because I know it's going to be big. <laughs> I know it's going to be big, but you know what? Cold is a privilege. It's fun to be able to do this because we get to do this. A lot of people don't get to do this. So I just try not to make it serious because like, why, why bother? There's so many other things that I have to be serious about in life. So this is just isn't one of them. Yeah, intensity is needed sometimes. Intensity is, is part of, you know, our, our experience sometimes. It's more of the, I think what we're talking about is that we don't always need to be intense in our forcing our bodies when it's telling us it's not right. It's where and how we use the intensity, I guess it's, that's what we're trying to say. Well, it's not the CrossFit of ice baths and there's no metal at the <laughs> end. So I, I'm okay with just having fun. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. So what events do you have coming up in the next little while? I'm working with a brand right now called First Up and Icology. We're going to be going to Chicago and down to California this year. I'm also going to be going up to North Bay. If anyone lives in the North Bay area, Northern Ontario area, I definitely invite them to connect with me. Now, obviously, in a few months, these events will come and go. We also have a, a monthly membership. And here's something that I just want to put to some people. If you're feeling like you need support, and if you're feeling like you want to breathe or just find out what it's about, here's what I'm going to suggest. There's some people out there listening right now that feel like they don't want to be seen in a group. There's some people out there right now that have some feelings like they can't share with anybody. I invite them to check out innerpeaceportal.com. There's a free meditation that they can listen to or play or download and breathe to that if they want to. There's a playlist that they can access that gives them an idea of some of the music that we play in the monthly membership. And then if someone joins the monthly membership because they just want to be around people that just want them to have a good life, they don't have to talk. They don't have to show their camera. They can just type something in the chat. They can breathe with us. They can meditate. And then we give some people some suggestions on how they can improve their lives for the next couple of weeks or month actually until we meet again and then there's a bunch of recordings that they can access so that they don't really have to be sharing that with people that they don't know right now or feel comfortable it's a small community that's growing but it really gives people an opportunity just to listen to what other people are going through in a positive way and breathe get some of that goo out of their body so that they can release it and feel better and then have maybe a new view on how they can look at a challenge in their life and maybe have some new strategies. If they type in the chat, they'll get some new ideas and there's always more support. So I would just always encourage people to take a look at that also. Yeah, I think the online community is going to be very useful for a lot of people that might not be able to get to workshops. So we're just getting a little bit bigger with workshops. But again, like I mentioned already, if you want us to come to your place of work and have a talk about stress, 
Or if you want to do an ice bath event, I'd be more than happy to connect with you, with the culture people, so that we can bring some really fun equipment and have an event there that's going to really change a lot of lives. And it's going to be loud and crazy and it's going to be super fun. Always have fun at the workshops. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? I would really maybe challenge people to love themselves 2% more tomorrow than they did today. How about that? That's achievable. Yeah. And it compounds. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I appreciate you. I'm glad you reached out and we had a second round. We said we would and here we are. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. I know it was a completely different angle and and trajectory that we had. I think you're doing incredible work and I think these talks really are needed. And I just invite anyone that, yeah, is struggling just to call someone and reach out and yeah, have a conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm.